rolling. Welcome back. Episode 60 of the Jiu-Jitsu Dummies podcast, everyone. Hey, We're sponsored by Fightback CBD. Get 20% off your CBD order at fightbackcbd.com with code JJD. Excuse me, my voice is a little hoarse. Uh, we're also sponsored by Black Belt Digital Marketing. Anything you need from web design, Google Ads, logos, SEO, everything. Anything you can need for your business, check them out at bbdigitalmarketing.com. My name is Milton Campus. I'm a brown belt training out of South Florida. You can check me out on Instagram at Uncle Milty BJJ or the Jiu-Jitsu Dummies uh, Instagram. We got Miguel uh, back with us today. Hey, What's yep, up, brother? How you not doing? Not much, man. Miguel, what a ride. That was a long ride. Was it two and a yeah, half hours? Yeah, the rain is fierce. Ugh, nasty, nasty. Uh, Bo behind the camera. Hello. And joining us today, we have an incredible guest. I'm so excited for this. A black belt and best-selling author, Professor Robert Drysdale. Welcome, Professor. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Good, good, man. Again, apologize. We apologize on almost every podcast, but yeah. never this for this long. Apologize for being late. Yeah. Not so, a problem, man. I, I was just sitting in front of the computer, so. Is is Rob, Rob, Robert, Professor, what do you prefer? Don't care? Whatever. Just not Bobby. Bobby, Bobby, we'll go. We'll go with. We'll go with Robert. We'll go with Robert. So we always like to start from the beginning. There's so much to talk about. Um, uh, Let's just let's go with talk about your start in in jujitsu. How you found the martial arts, and then we'll go from there. Uh, I I was I was looking from the beginning since I was a child. I always liked combat and. you know, when, when I was a kid, everything was, I'm a, I'm a child from the 80s. So everything was He-Man and G.I. Joe's. Yeah. That's always my thing. I never cared for cars and kites. And I got into soccer later in life in Brazil. But it was, I never, you know, I, my, my, I think my thing was always like the, the the combat, you know, sort of theme. So, you know, I did some Hapkido when I was a kid. It didn't really, you know, I couldn't get into it, man. I just couldn't. I don't know why. Maybe it was immaturity or there's just not enough sparring. I don't know why. But when I was 16, jiu-jitsu was sort of becoming popular in Brazil. And uh, there was something about it, man. Something about the word, something about what it represented, something about what, you know, the reputation people had that they do the jiu-jitsu, which was not a good one, incidentally. It's, it's part of the reason why I was attracted to it. I'm not too proud to say that, you know. But at the time when you're 16, these things are very important to you. Know? Like, you want to be the you want to be the boss. You want to be the alpha dog. And to me, jiu-jitsu was a vehicle to that. It's like, I wanted to be respected. You know, and I think, oh, if I can know how to fight, people will respect me. So I saw all of that in jujitsu, and I and I that was like an initial motivation. It wasn't—I wouldn't even call it self-defense. I just wanted to be respected, you know. And when I started training jujitsu, I fell in love with something else. Like this is there's so many more layers to this, and I just couldn't stop. I had zero expectations for myself as a competitor, as a fighter, but I knew I could be a good coach. I I had no insecurities about that, and I also knew jujitsu was something that was going to be in my life for the rest of my life. I wasn't going to abandon it. It wasn't something that was going to go away. I, it was something, it wasn't something I was thinking about, but I knew I had found what I was looking for. Nice. A a lot of us have that same story. I mean, I started with, uh, showing Rue karate when I was a kid and it made me nervous when I just had to go out for that first belt promotion. I I never did it. I had to study for it, sprained my thumb in another sport and I didn't have to go back, but it made me so nervous I think jujitsu has a way of just kind of, you, you kind of got to just get right in there. There is no forms and kicking in the air and right. You know, but ju- it's just something that, that draws us in, you know? Right. Yeah. I, I, have a, I have a question. How are your, 
a lot of people don't ask this question, but like, how were your white belt days? Like, do you remember your white belt days? Like, what were the things like you learned? Like, do you remember just like what your day to day was? Because a lot of people talk about accomplishments, but the, mm-hmm. people don't understand like jujitsu is a grind. Like I love jujitsu because it's a grind. I love poker. I love baseball. I love things that are like drawn out and like are mentally taxing because yeah. it's very emotional. Yeah. Did you, you know? did you, I mean, once you stepped on that mat, was it instant? Did you know this was for you? Oh yeah, it was immediate. It yeah. was immediate. And I remember well my white belt incident. Like I remember why I started. I started with my first time I trained, I trained with a girl. She tapped me twice. <laughs> nice. And that was not my first Nothing experience. wrong with that. Nothing wrong with getting tapped by a girl. Absolutely not. But it was <laughs> it was it was demolishing my ego, especially I had a crush on her too. I knew oh. it from school. And uh, but it was also one of those things where I mean this stuff really works, you know. And I it's part of the reason why I started like, man, like I just got beat by a girl that's like smaller than you know you know, you're 16, you sort of, you know, you're half a man by 16, you know? So it's like, you know, you're, you don't want to lose the girls, but I got my, I got tapped twice the same way. I remember what move she tapped me with, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, but, and then I started training at different schools, a smaller school, like small mats. And there was no timer. I remember that there was no timer. The round ended once someone got tapped, you took a break and then you grabbed someone that was also taking a break and you asked them to train. And we would stay there for like two to three hours and there was no timer in. We just went to war. There was often, most of the time, there was no positions either. We would exchange information during the breaks, but there was no beginning and end of the class. It was like an open mat sort of session. Never had a timer. That it ended when someone got submitted. Wow. And, or like sometimes keep going. You didn't have to stop. You could just, you know, it's like when we're both broken down, okay, we need a five minute break. We would take that break. You know, it's, that was very, there's a lot of freedom in that regard. Um, I remember not being good at jujitsu. People always assume that the guy who's doing well in competition today was always like that for him. Right. And I, I was awful at jujitsu. I remember, well, I remember my best friend at the time, it took me six months to convince him to come to class with me because he thought he was gay. And I'm like, no, man, you got to come. This is amazing. You got to try this out. It's so much fun. And I had been training for seven months. When I finally convinced him, it had been six months I've been training. So about a month in, so he had been training for one month and I had been training for about seven he was tapping me in practice. And that was like, I remember going home, like crying. It's like, this is unbelievable. Oh, like this guy is, he's been training for one month and he's beating me. And the worst part is not that I was getting beat. What hurts so much is that he didn't care about it. <laughs> and it meant, <laughs> it, it's so much more to me than it meant to him. Like yeah. he just give two shits. He was just super talented. He just one of those guys that could be good at anything. And one month then he's beating my, it's my best friend. He's beating my ass in practice. And I'm like, how is this happening? Like, I care so much. I've been training way longer than he has. He's not supposed to be beating me. And, but he didn't last. Like, he didn't quit. So, like, I, I you know people don't believe me, but like, I was never a gifted athlete. Like, I was mediocre at best, but I, I really stuck to it, man. And I, it was, it was a lot of heart into it. And there was no price I was not willing to pay to be where I wanted to be. Like, was I, there ever a time in those early days that you felt like you wanted to quit? There was one time as a brown belt, like I didn't want to quit, I think, but I just didn't want to go train, whatever. If that sounds contradicting, sorry about that. If that sounds contradictory, it's maybe it's a little contradictory. I, I, I don't think I was going to quit jujitsu, but I was having issues with my coach at the time. And I just didn't want to show up to the gym. I just yeah. didn't want to, like, it was just like the environment was so poisonous. I just felt so unwelcome there. It wasn't fun. And looking back, I wasn't wrong. I have no issues admitting when I'm wrong, but at the time it turned out that I was right. They just, it turned into a very strange environment. I didn't want to be there anymore. I wanted to go somewhere else. Now, where's this happening? Because you've traveled back and forth from the U.S. to Brazil. Did you get your start in Brazil? 
Uh, actually, my first experience was in Brazil, and then I did training in Las Vegas with JSEC at the time uh, between white and purple, so two years. And then I went back to Brazil as a purple belt. And um, then my competition experience took place mostly in Brazil from purple to black before I moved back to the U.S. after ADCC. Wow. Amer- American in Brazil. Yeah, it's a long story. That couldn't, be, that couldn't have been easy. Um, you know what, man? It was, I would not change a thing about my childhood, but it wasn't easy. Yeah. When people talk, I'm like, I, I mean, people, kids come playing these days about getting called names. It's like, I want to laugh. Like, you have no idea how Brazilians have, at the time, especially, it's changed a lot. There's no concept of political correctness at the time. Like, the word bullying doesn't even exist in Portuguese. There's no word for it. Yeah. You can't translate it. It gives you the show. If you try to explain, like, kids making fun of you and like picking on you like people look at you as strange like that's just normal that's, that's just, just what, we do. <laughs> that's what we do it's it's so ingrained i mean it's changed because it's become very americanized and politically correct but at, at the time and that's that's all that we did was like tease kids and bully kids and the weaker you were the more they came after you and that's completely you know i remember there were days at school i had to literally run home i literally had to run after school like i had to i remember the bell ring i had to sprint wow. <laughs> Yeah, I have one or two of those like, days. No, I, I love that though. I, I'm actually really happy it was that way. I wouldn't change a thing about it. And when did you start competing right from the beginning? Was it? Was, was oh yeah. Competition. I mean, it, it probably is not like it is now, where there's a competition every weekend. But what was it like in Brazil at that time? Um, it was no, it was still growing. People don't realize this, but ju- no one knew who what jujitsu was in Brazil prior to Hoyt Gracie, despite what people say. It's not like no one ever heard of it. So there were very few competitions, but it got it started getting heated up in the late 90s in, in Sao Paulo, where I grew up. And I remember been training for one month, and I threw myself in competition. And I got my ass handed to me. I got tapped in like 20, 30 seconds. It seemed like an eternity, but it probably yeah. was more like seconds. And that was, but I, I just, I felt like a need that, I thought I started jiu-jitsu something, something to prove myself. I wanted to prove myself, and jiu-jitsu was it. Like, this is how I'm going to prove myself. And yeah, I was just really drawn to competition. I, I hated it. I never wanted it. It was always, I'd go to bed at five in the morning. I couldn't even sleep. I was so nervous, but yeah. I just felt like it's something I had to do. So when I first heard the name Robert Drysdale at, you know, I've been training for now, I'm going on eight years, but I've heard your name over the years. And in the past few, it was always like Robert Drysdale. Oh, he's that guy. He doesn't like the Gracies. That's the guy that's talking about, right? I mean, it's not something that you don't know that that people assumed right away when you started to look into the history of jujitsu and you started to do the documentary that, and maybe even well, let's say when the book came out, people are realizing, well, he's not talking bad about the Gracies. He's just giving credit where credits really do, even within the Gracie family. Correct. And and it's it's part of the the world view that tends to put people into boxes. So if you make if I make a political state statement, for example, I'm in favor of gay marriage, people immediately assume you're a Democrat. For example, right? Mm-hmm. Like you know they 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 cannot see the world outside of the little boxes they created for themselves. It simplifies everything. The second you have to think freely, things get too complicated. So it's easier to totally frame the world in terms of pro grace or anti grace. And I approached this 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 theme like exhaustively really in the book and elsewhere because I knew it was going to be a problem. It's like it's been an uphill battle to show people like actually 
I don't care about pro or anti. I care about facts. I care about reality. I care about how things are. I'm not, I don't care about your favorite team. You know, in fact, like I use examples, like there's one of the, the most common questions I got when I started this research was, oh, you're going to show that the Fada is not really a Gracie lineage. And then we started doing some digging and we go, oh, actually, the Fada lineage is a Gracie lineage. And I, I think of them more than anyone else to show that. That's giving. And then they just, it's the, that Luis Franz, in fact, was a student of Helio Gracie based off the facts that we have, the evidence that we have. And um, I've done more to probably revive the memory of George Gracie than George Grace than anyone else, maybe, you know, because I think I've made a, an enormous effort to revive his name as one of the founding fathers of MA and in fact, the first hero of the Gracie family. So to say that it's, I mean, anti, it's somewhat, I think that people, it's, they, they get whatever little information they have and they insert their own, like they fill the rest yeah. of it, the void that they don't have with their own imagination. So it's because all they have is that pro or anti-Gracie framework. They don't bother listening to me. Like they don't want to, they're not going to read my book either. They just want to put me in a category. So Robert Drys was a hater. I have that reputation. Sure. If you don't know anything, you want to call me a hater. That's your ignorance. Feel free to be ignorant. You have the freedom to be ignorant if that's what you want to be. But if you want to, if you care for the facts and you actually listen to what I have to say, and you read the book, you might draw a different conclusion. But People want to have a formed opinion. They don't want to say, I don't know. It's too embarrassing to say, I don't know. I don't think it is. I think it's fine to say, I don't know. What's not okay is to draw conclusions on people you don't know or on books you never read. That's what's unacceptable. Mm -hmm. But it's very common. Yes. Cherry picking and confirmation bias. Yeah. Yeah. That's the world we live in it's right a, now. It, you know what? But it's, I mean, I feel like that's an easy argument because like there's people in my family I don't like and now I'm going to get mad about you providing a fact about a family that I don't even know, yeah. you know, and then, and there's people in my family that I do like that other people don't like because they think that person is like either lazy or not motivated or isn't contributing as much, but they're like the nice person in the family and they're not driven by the same material, uh, you know, agenda that some other people that don't, they don't like them because they see something they don't like in themselves. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's just like, if people will read a headline and they won't read the article. And, yeah. and not only will they only read the headline and not read the article, they will take that headline, they will copy it, they will yeah. paste it, and they it's so easy to send something to 40 people yeah. in one second. Like before to say something to 40 people, bro, that shit would take you like a year. Yeah. To really walk it's up to 40 people. We now live I can in the send... world of, of, you know, 15-minute TikTok video, or 15-second TikTok videos, or yeah. headlines. Uh, what do they call that? Uh, click, clickbait. Yeah. Right. It's like Dude. you click on it and it's the complete opposite of what Dude, it really says. That, uh, you know? What was it? Oh, it was that thing about, oh, it was the, 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 there was like a satire article about Joe Rogan losing his Spotify deal. Yeah. It was right. It was completely. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, I had, if you know me, you know that I like the guy. Right. And if you know me and you're my friend, you know, so many people sent me that, that I was like, I just Googled mm, it right away. And it immediately, was just like, that's it the was first fake. thing I did. Yeah. And I was like, satire. I was like, that's not, I was like, that's the Babylon, bro. Like, how do you not know that's, like, people don't mm. even know that that's a satire site. Well, Robert, so much, like, you know, he's talking about family. The Gracie family is so big that you probably, you, you can't really get the same story from two Gracies about the history and, of jujitsu, even their involvement, correct? Yes, absolutely. And, I, and to be honest with them, this is not an attack. It's like yeah. most of them know their own history. Like, I mean, and that's not, I mean, how much, how many of us know a lot about the history of our great grandparents? Most of us Zero. Zero. <laughs> Nothing. They, I they, they fall within that category because they're not historians. They're not, they're not yeah. obliged to go, uh, uh, they're not obligated to know any of this. 
So um, it, it, they, they don't. And what's interesting is that, you know, some of these people that call me anti-Gracie, they're more pro-Gracie than the Gracie themselves. That's what's hilarious to me. Because like Hanzo Gracie reposted one of my uh, interviews about the, 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 the history of jiu-jitsu. I remember uh, Carlinos Gracie Jr., the president of IBJJF and Baja Gracie founder and owner of Gracie Magazine. Like this guy is the godfather of jiu-jitsu. I bumped in with him at the Masters World in Las Vegas. He gave me a hug and congratulated me on the book. Yeah. I thank you for everything you're doing. Congratulations on all your success. You deserve it. It was like, so it's like the graces themselves, like don't have a, like they're perfectly fine. Flavio Baring, I exchange messages with all the time. He loves, he loves what we're doing. And it's the people who either haven't read the book or don't know how to read. And that's not unusual. People that they read, but they don't know how to read. Yeah. They read words, but they don't, can't see a thing behind the words. Comprehension. Just, yeah. No comprehension whatsoever. And they've already framed you from the get go. They have them, they had made up their minds. So it's confirmation bias, like yeah. you mentioned, looking for little pieces that confirm their bias. And then they go, ha ha, while they ignore anything else that disproves it. Right. So it's, it's, I mean, I, it doesn't bother me so much. To be frank, the reception has been far more positive than I was expecting. I was ready for worse. Uh, but it's, it is somewhat of an uphill battle. People actually, I'm not going to mention names, but people that are well known to Jits community message me privately, apologizing to me. Because they go, yeah, man, I said this, this, and that about you. And now I see what you're doing, man. You're actually doing the community a huge favor. Yeah. But, you know, and it's, you know, it is what it is, man. Yeah. I, I kind of expected that. But it is, it's, 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 it says something about people. And that's what's disappointing, really, is like how willing people are to be ignorant. And they're very proud of it, too. I mean, the second I started to do my research for the interview, I saw the, watched, read, yeah. and heard the complete opposite of what you just hear through the rumor mill. You know, yeah. so let's take a step back. How did the project get started? Let, let's tell everybody the, the name of the documentary that's not out yet, but right. But then the book came. So tell it, give us kind of a timeline of how the project got started and lead us up to the book. I think it would have been 2016 when I started doing some reading on it. And it was like, it was, I get bored very, very easily. Those who know me, like I have to be doing 10 things at the same time. Otherwise I'm just bored out of my mind. And when I retired, I retired in 2016. That was my last fight. And I remember like, you know, seeing a little bit about history. So I read uh, Shockey. Uh, I actually knew of Shockey, which is a book by an author called Roberto Pedrera, which I always recommend to people. It's a far more in-depth look at the history of Jiu-Jitsu than my book is. It's just, it's a very heavy read. I say this. It's one of those, it reads almost like a catalog of Jiu-Jitsu history. It's not a diary like my book. My book's more of a diary. It's easy to read for that reason. But it's very informative. So, you know, I got my hands on Shockey. Uh, and then I read all three volumes very quickly. I read Josetto Ficairo's PhD dissertation. It's online. You can download it for free. I also read Marcel Sejano's books. They were in Portuguese. You can't get them in English. But, and they're telling me a very different story. Like, and they, these guys are showing us facts that are not, you know, they're not readily available. You have to dig through, either read these books or go to the Brazilian National Library. So what had happened in 2012, the Brazilian National Library digitized all their files. So they made it accessible for us to look at files going back to the 1800s. And now we can understand Japanese immigration. We can understand the role of men like Jacinto Ferro and Maeda and Gio Mori. No one had ever heard of Gio Mori. And he's more important to jiu-jitsu history than Maeda is. And no, the guy still gets zero credit. You know, so when I saw that and I talked about, like, about this with some of the older guys in jiu-jitsu, they thought I was crazy that I was making it up, like conspiracy theory. And I'm showing them pictures and documents. And that's when they were like, where did you find that? I'm like, holy shit, no one knows about this. 
So I thought about writing a book. And then I feel like if I write a book, I'm just repeating what other people said with less skills to do it. I'm not a professional historian. Um, so I mean, you know what? I'm going to make a film and I'm going to make a film about this because people are going to watch a film more likely. They're more likely to watch a film or a documentary than they are um, read a book, unfortunately. I agree. So I, I, you know, I raised the money and the documentary has been an uphill battle for a variety of reasons. That's a whole different topic. That's a whole podcast in itself. I'm not even sure I want to go there. <laughs> I assure you it has nothing to do with my integrity, work ethic, desire, willingness. It's the only thing I can be blamed of is lack of experience, being naive and too trusting and not cunning enough in the world full of snakes. That's that, that I'm guilty of that. I'm guilty. Well of. Not, said. Of dishonesty <laughs> or, uh, not of dishonesty. I, uh, or I'm, I, I'm a man of my word. I'm a man of contracts. I'm a man of, I don't need a contract. I can shake hand and, you know, yeah. and go by, by that. But, it's not something, you know, that can do anything about it. Anyway, during the quarantine, I was bored out of my mind. I couldn't work. I couldn't teach. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't say hi to people. I couldn't hug people. It was like those two months of like, we're thinking the world's going to end, right? Like this is the bubonic plague. 2. Two weeks to stem the curve. Two weeks. Right. right? Sure. Well, <laughs> right? In the beginning, it was two weeks. They just they told us two weeks. I'm yeah, still yeah, holding my exactly. breath. Like, Vegas was two months of it. You couldn't even leave the house. Yeah. Right. I'm doing push-ups. I started playing video games like pause. I played video games for like a week straight. I'm like, pause, pause, pause. I've been whining the past 20 years about not having enough time to do anything. And here I have all the time in the world that I'm playing video games. No, I deleted every video game I had on my computer. And then I started playing the guitar. I started with that. I learned like basic. I was like, oh, I like this. This is fun. This is a great therapy. And then some, Roberto Pedera actually suggested I'd write an article about my memories of making a documentary. He thought that was a good story. I thought, I think that's a pretty cool story, how it came about. So I started writing an article about it. Every time I'd, you know, I'd write like 500 words and I go, well, if I'm going to talk about this, I got to talk about that too. Well, I can't talk about that unless I mention this. Next thing you know, I'm at 40,000 words. Next thing you know, I can keep going for another 20, 30,000. And then I had the idea of, you know what, I'm going to add the interviews to this. And then that's when I started really piecing the book together. But it was, it was a total accident. It was not something I was planning. It was more a product out of, boredom and the, the the topic was very fresh the memories of the documentary and this production were very fresh in my mind so it was very i actually wrote the book in like three weeks it was very quick wow um editing took longer but the writing itself was like very very quick because it was all very fresh in my mind so it came out very easily wow so now okay so do you is the is the the documentary going to to come out Sounds like you're having whatever issues yeah. you have, and we don't have to go into, but it will come out. It a hundred percent. I'm a hundred. Yeah. I'm owner of the footage. Like it's it's not a. Um, there's no nothing other than some you know some legal issues that I can do. I cannot make it move faster. It's okay. not up to. All right. So it it's just taking longer than expected. But at the same time, I think that it you know it's it becomes more valuable over time too because we have something that no one else has. Mm-hmm. What we have is something that. Um, like we have footage of grandmasters that are dead or dying. And these are the first jiu-jitsu practitioners. You can't interview them again. It's gone. Only we have that. So in some ways, it's like the anxiety over waiting, I think in some ways, even increases the value of the final product. But I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm impatient about this. It gives me anxiety just thinking about the fact this yeah. thing is not out there. But, you know, it's what I get for throwing myself in the world I know nothing about. I heard you uh, a few times talk about like there's so much content. You have so much. There was a little little voice in the back of my head that says, 
this would be a great series, like oh, a no. series a of, docu-series. I'm not sure. Yeah. Like a docu-series. Was that ever a thought with, with, with having want, so much content? That's what I want to do. Okay. But the problem is, you know, it's, it's, it, I have, I mean, we have content for 10 hours of the 10 hour docu-series. Like it's not, the issue is not content and we can create more. There's still yeah. people out there to talk to. That's I, not the issue. I don't see anything uh, wrong with that. The issue is, 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 is elsewhere. It's not. Oh, okay. Those who read the book get a glimpse of what the real problem okay. is. All right. Man, now I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. And I apologize. We've only just, you know, booked you the interview. I did not have time to read the book. And the last time I had uh, somebody that, you know, uh, Richard Bressler, I believe you guys yeah. uh, communicate, speak. Yeah. Yeah. We, we spoke. Uh, actually, it's funny because I never I had never heard of him, unfortunately. Yeah. I would have gladly he belongs in that documentary. Yeah. If I can't interview uh, more people for a potential docuseries in the, the future. Richard's top of that list. You know, he's yeah. the he's the original American Jiu-Jitsu practitioner. Yeah, right. He was William Grace's first student. Even though there were people teaching here before Horian, but that's a different story. Yeah. But this guy is the first guy to believe, other than Horian Gracie himself, to believe in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So he deserves his place in in this story for sure. Especially after reading his uh, um, his biography with uh, Scott Burr, which yeah. was the editor of my book too. Okay. Um, I think that you know he is very important in history of Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah. And I wish I, I, I wish I had known him, right? Yeah. It's, but after meeting him and speaking a little bit of, uh, with him, um, he's, def- he's definitely belonging there. But I don't know if we can fit it in given, you know, we don't know how much more, you know, it's that that's a different question. If we gotcha. can expand the project or not. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, a- hold on one second. Real quick. Um, let me do some shout outs here, Robert, just stick with us for a second. Uh, we want to say, uh, you know, give a, a huge shout out to DD214 Fightwear. At DD214 underscore fightwear. Gear for the warm PTSD. Miguel's got a shirt on today. Thank Let's you. Let's go. Get 15% off your online order at DD214BJJ.com with code JJD. Huge shout out to Flo and Roll, who's also doing our podcast. He's now. Whoop, whoop. Uh, at Flo underscore N underscore Roll on Instagram. You're going to get 40% off your order this month to the end of, of November. 40. It was like 20, 30, and now 40. So 40% off your online t-shirt, rash guard, or gi order with code JJD. And as always, go check out their kits. They do awesome. His graphics are incredible. Does great kits, uh, no gi and, and gis. Uh, so check them out. Let them know the dummy sent you. Thank you to Feito IT and AV. They specialize in commercial and residential automation, security cameras, CCT, CCTV, uh, closed caption TV. Uh, check them out at FeitoITAV.com and let them know the dummy sent you as well. Gym owners, update that security system in the in the gym. It's a perfect time. Shout them out. Uh, they cover all of Florida. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, and share wherever you're watching or listening. Uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, don't forget to click the bell, and you'll get page notif- or get notifications directly from our our YouTube page each time we launch a new video. All right. Hey everyone, thanks for watching. If you're enjoying the show, please help us thank our sponsor at Fightback CBD. We couldn't do this without them. Head over to their website at fightbackcbd.com. Check out their growing line of CBD products and find the solution that's right for you. That's fightbackcbd.com. And get 20% off your purchase with discount code JJD. Also, check them out on social media at fightbackcbd. Now back to the show. All right, guys, let's jump back in. You you had a question, Miguel. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, I mean, just speaking on the subject, like you said, you have 10 hours, I'm sure. But like right now, um, 
I'll just I'll prephrase it with this. When I got into jujitsu, it hasn't even been that long. I think I'm just over two years now, but I, I'm the type of dude, I'm just, I'm not gonna say just like you, but I'm like you in terms of like, I get bored real easy and I do a bunch of stuff. Like you have to peel me away from something that I'm interested in. And uh, so I jumped real deep into the jujitsu hole, especially online. I'm talking about watching really old matches, like just the history of it, how far back and, and just where it is now. I feel like it's not only taking off in terms of popularity, like the skill set now, you have these guys who are 17, 18, 21, 24 years old. And, and it's, it's not even like the torch got passed. It's like they took the torch and they're like, yeah, yeah. And they're like three miles away from where that last person gave, they took it from. Yeah, so so I, like, how I, do you feel, I, how do you feel uh, the progression of jujitsu is right now? I think it's, it's a few things to be said there. First of all, old progress is always good. I'm not one of those nostalgics that go jujitsu was better in the 1980s or in the early 2000s when I was most active, right? Like I'm not resentful over the fact that, you know, people have carried on that torch and made it better. I think, in fact, I think that's exactly if you love jujitsu, you wanted to improve. Why would you want, why would you insist that jujitsu in the 1980s was better unless you were an egomaniac? And yeah. you're really in love with yourself and you're just trying to like, oh, give me credit, me, me, me. I am happy over the fact that if you put me in a time machine and you put me in a purple belt tournament 20 years down the road, I would get my ass kicked. And I think that's beautiful. I think it's exactly what you want from jujitsu. You want it to be better. I think it's shameful if a master can't make his teachers, his students better than him. That's their whole point. That's your job to do it. The part that bothers me about a young generation is that they give themselves credit over something they didn't do. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You're a purple belt and a brown belt, and you memorize a thousand lapel sweeps. You can give yourself credit for having a good memory, but you didn't really do anything. You're standing on the shoulders of giants. And that's part of my motivation with but this book and documentary was I know you may think that you know the jujitsu that these grandmasters are shows is inadequate, but they're the ones who made all the mistakes in the world. So you can have the refined techniques, the selection process has been going on for 70 years. You have those guys to think because they got it started at a time where there was no reward. They're the real heroes, right? There's a reward now. So it's even difficult to see who's doing jujitsu for the love of jujitsu and who's doing jujitsu because they want a quick reward. Either it's followers, money, popularity, DVDs, seminars, gyms, whatever the case. These guys were the real OGs that they're breaking themselves just like we do, refining the techniques, finding out what doesn't work and what doesn't work through trial and error so we can have the superior form of jujitsu today. So the credit for the torch that we're talking about here is not the young generation. They had a product that was chewed and digested by previous generations. Previous generations are the ones that get the credit because they're the ones that went through the process of trial and error, internet free. So between now that's kind of where I stand with this. I think evolution is always good. Uh, there's one thing to be said. I'm not one of those who go say, you know, oh, self-defense is the real jujitsu. Lapels wouldn't work in the streets. I think it's awesome what they're doing with Durimbolo lapels, heel hooks. I love it. I teach it as far as I can. I'm not obsessed over learning like every single move on the planet because I don't believe that is the common denominator to win. In fact, winning has very little to do with technique, but that's a different topic. Uh, what I do have, I mean, personally, speaking for myself, everyone's different. I am less interested, not that I'm not interested. I am less interested in a jiu-jitsu that doesn't work in a real fight. I am more interested in a jiu-jitsu that works MMA, jiu-jitsu gi no gi and in a real situation that's the jiu-jitsu i'm most interested the jiu-jitsu that i see khabib practice i know he comes from wrestling but i see a good jiu-jitsu guy that's what i see 
that mm-hmm. triangle on Gaichi, that's jujitsu. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's the same stuff. Sambo, jujitsu, judo, rest. I'm seeing the same thing. People see the differences. I see the similarities. Uh, I see Damian Maya. That's the kind of jujitsu I'm interested in, right? Like Ryan Hall. Like that's the sort of jujitsu that interests me. Something that works everywhere. Not something that only works in a specific IBJJF or submission only environment. This is what drives me crazy about some of these this young generation is that they become weaker. They're better technically, but they're very weak. They cannot, they, they stay in their comfort zone. Oh, I'm a submission only guy. Oh, I'm a nogi guy. Oh, I only compete IBJJF. And like, and there was there was a theme there that's been lost. There's a toughness that's been lost over the years. It's like throw yourself in the fire. What's the problem? You're scared of losing, you're scared of the challenge. There's no such thing as gi and no gi MMA. Like back in the day, man, like if you want, like it's almost like you have to know how to fight to be a black belt, right? That was part of the code of honors. Like you could put your hands up and throw if you had to. And I don't see that in these kids. I see them like they're perfectly happy win by advantage with a lapel. And it's not <laughs> right. It's not the yeah, technique. The advantage. I love that one. It, it's the weakness. It's the weakness that the jiu- it's, they become weaker, not stronger. And that's what I can't stand. So, um, you know, but it's complicated because people, again, they can't, you're either old school or new school. They can't see that I'm neither. I'm interested in anything that works. I don't care how old it is. Rear naked choke still the number one submission in Nogi and MMA. And look how old that is, right? So it's, it's not a matter of old and new. It's a matter of does it work or it doesn't not, does it not work? And more importantly, um, I mean, jujitsu, in my view, was meant to make you stronger mentally. And I don't see that. I think that's being lost. Why do you think? people are are at such odds when it comes to something like leg locks i just say below the belt right from from the waist down where it's been it's become so divisive that they've even tried to name it like american jiu jitsu american jiu if you're doing leg locks and and heel hooks that's american jiu jitsu versus you know, chokes and lapels. That's Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And that's watch, the old school. You need to watch some yeah. old videos, bro, because yeah. those dudes were hit, locking legs. What What do you think? What do you think makes that such a de- device? Is it people don't like change? Is it fear of the unknown or something that they don't know? Like you just said, you 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 teach what you know. You could teach a little bit of everything, but you you it sounds like you know you're teaching what you're best at, right? Those yeah. are the, the your bread and butter. Um, I, first of all, I, I think that the idea that uh, it, it comes down to politics like this is not I don't think there's a real divide. I think it's been blown out of proportion. Okay. And maybe I'm, I'm even to blame for that because I talk about it all the time. It's been blown out of proportion for political reasons. There's nothing to do with what's best for jujitsu or with factual reality. To begin with, to say that we've been ignoring half the body is ludicrous. Anyone who says that, I'm sorry, you don't know jujitsu history. You don't know anything. You don't you know contemporary jujitsu history. The first magazine I bought had a, was a, a comprita was tapping Holeta uh, with a footlock in the final of the world for a world title. Yep. So that was like 99, I think, 98, 99, I believe. I remember. Now. So, I mean, the idea that we're ignoring half the body is ludicrous. What happened was there were no tournaments that allowed heel hooks, which for good reason, by the way. You know, today, if you blow your knee with a heel hook, you can go to a doctor and he'll fix, he'll reconstruct your knee from scratch and it'll probably be better than it was before. You can put a bionic knee there and it's going to be better than it was before. That technology did not exist in 1967 when they formulated the rules. If you blew your knee from a heel hook, you would be, you would be a cripple for life. So you have to understand that technology has advanced and the rules have, you know, they're, they're, they're slow to keep up with the technique, which is normal. It's always been the case. 
but they, they so there's been some resistance towards heel hooks because yes, there's a lot of people that they don't know that. So if you don't know them, so if you don't know it, it's bad. Anything you don't like or you're not good at, that's bad, right? That's that's weakness. That's what I see. And then on the other hand, you get people that are exploring exploiting that, and they're going, oh, this is American jujitsu. This is innovation is coming from. Anyone is saying that innovation has anything to do with geography is retarded. There's no other, I mean, I have no other word to describe a person who believes that, oh, because we have American blood, that's why we're like, innovation is the norm of anyone who's trained hard. There are people coming up with new techniques in Poland, in Australia, in Japan, in Brazil, in Canada, and anyone who's trained hard is coming up with new stuff. But marketing is a real thing. If you keep hammering a lie, if you keep hammering images, if you keep hammering an idea in people's head, they end up absorbing it. And the more people believe it, the more trustworthy it is, because if a lot of people are saying it, clearly it doesn't need any scrutiny, does it? It must be true, right? Like Wikipedia sort of like research. So, and that's kind of where we're stuck in. We're stuck in this conversation about jujitsu being, you know, innovation being something Americans are responsible for. I'm like, interesting. What about all those half guard, butterfly, open guard, lapel, the lahiva sweeps that were people are doing in Brazil in the late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah. None of that is real, right? It's all coming from the United States. And I'm watching tournaments and I watch them closely and I go to these big tournaments and I'm watching what's happening and I'm going, it's nothing to do with nationality. It has to do with how, what, you know, like these guys are good and some of them happen to be American and some of them happen to be Brazilian, but it's so easy to tap into people's, it's, it's their jingoism, right? Like I'm an American, so we have to be the best or I'm Brazilian, we have to be the best. And to me, it's so pathetic. It's nothing to do with jujitsu. You know, but they, they, they try to capitalize it for political gain and, and, and financial gain because it works. Because the second you say it's it's American jiu-jitsu or, you know, you get all these they, these pseudo patriots. That's what I call them. They're not nothing to do with patriotism. And they go, oh, I'm a hardcore because I love my country. So I'm going to be the American jiu-jitsu guy. And frankly, I don't even like Brazilian jiu-jitsu either. But I, I think Brazilian is completely unnecessary as well. So I never had an issue dropping the Brazilian from jiu-jitsu. What I do have an issue with is people lying about the history of jiu-jitsu and going, oh, innovation is something we're responsible for because they're trying to rewrite history. And that's what's so disgusting to me. So I'll give an example. I was watching a documentary a while ago about the history of MMA. And my, my dumb ass is going, oh, they're going to be talking about George Gracie and Chico Soledad. Interesting, right? And I started watching it. Guess where they started the history of MMA? Uh, I know where some have. They started uh, at that uh, Forrest Griffin fight, exactly. right? The Forrest Don't get me Griffin. Wrong. I love Forrest. Who doesn't love Forrest Griffin? He's one of my best. He's one of the best training partners I've ever had in my life. I love Forrest, okay. but he didn't start history of MMA. Neither did Dana White or the UFC, for that matter. Valetudo, which is its real name, started in the 1930s in Brazil. And that's a fact, right? Modern Valetudo, as we know, it came from Rio de Janeiro in Brazil in the 1930s. That's not up to debate. But it's, people can't handle that. That's why they got to change the name from Valetudo, which is it's its real name, to MMA because it's anglicized, right? And they're doing the same thing with jiu-jitsu now. 40 years from now, people are going to believe that jiu-jitsu started with Gordon Ryan. It's like, oh, what a dishonest thing to do. And, it, and I, I get called a hater. And that's the crazy thing. I, mean, I get called a hater. These people are straight up manipulating information, lying and distorting history. And I'm the hater. It, I mean, you don't know if I'm going to laugh or cry. It's a load of crap. But, and that's what's happening, because by saying that we are leading innovation, you can say that, okay, really, we're the ones that did everything for jujitsu. Really, those Brazilians, yeah, they're inadequate. And this has nothing, like, I'm far from a 
a, you know, like a, a, one of these like fanatical chauvinistic nationalists. It, I don't believe in that. I don't like it. But when I see people using it in order to separate jujitsu, to divide it, right, and gain political and financial favor from it, it does upset me because it's not it's not what jujitsu is about. It's completely missing the point. Um, I'd, I'd also like to add that it's a very small percentage of the population that even knows about this. My mom doesn't can't even pronounce jujitsu. First of all, <laughs> uh, my mom still calls it. Karate. I just I just feel yeah I, I just feel like we're so like in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're so in it that like like everything we just spoke about like it hit hard for me. But like if I make people, my, oh, some of our listeners are probably just hearing some of this stuff for the it, first time. Uh, yeah, I'm like I'm a. I'm probably like close to your age. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm a 37 year old man who got in cause I was bored and my daughter was doing it and <laughs> I grew up wrestling and I did combative. So I was like, I'll do this too. You know, yeah. cause if my daughter's doing it, I'll do it. You know? And I feel like a lot of like, I feel like the new marketing strategy is, is just get as many people onto the mats as possible. Like nobody's, yeah. nobody's like what he said, like the toughness. I feel like a lot of reason the toughness went away is because it's turned a lot into, and I think it's good for the sport. It's turned into like the jazzercise, like come in, get a good exercise, get confidence, get, you know, yeah. like meet friends. Cause your jujitsu friends are good friends. You know what I'm saying? Look, like there, there are more hobbyists. Yeah. Than I there think so. are competitors. Did you just say jazzercise? Yes, I, I did. did. <laughs> you remember the jazzercise place <laughs> yeah. next to Felipe's? Yes, I did. Look, let me tell you about this place, bro. This lady, she designed her curriculum. If I remember correctly around how horses move so you would go in there and like pretend to be a horse and get an exercise you're going that's a whole nother podcast bro <laughs> hey man i'm just saying that's like a whole nother podcast. Hey, there's probably there's probably a jazzercise horse podcast you know well, what i'm saying we don't know that world there's also a Robert, I've, I've actually game. said i've actually said before i started when i was 41 i'm 48 now i've said i competed up until i had a heart attack I competed once after I had a heart attack and then I stopped. It was just, I just didn't feel like I could put in the amount of training that I needed to kind of get on my, I would love to do it again. though. I would love to compete again. But I've said there are more of us hobbyists than of them competitors. 100%. And, and that's yeah, yeah, right. So my point at that time was we were talking a lot about gyms that would push their students to compete. And I said, if you want, I wanted to compete. I went to my coach in my forties at 42 and told him I want to compete. His drawer dropped mm -hmm. on the floor. He's like, what are you, um, we're the same age. I was competing 20 years ago. You want to start competing now? You're what are you, what's wrong with you? But we did it. I did well. And I had a lot of fun and I learned a lot about jujitsu and myself. Yeah. yeah. But that's not for everybody, right? That's not for everybody. So like you said, we're, we're, we're a small, we're, we're like in the inside world. If you want to call us that we're, we're on the inside of a, of a of a a small world inside, yeah. right? It's martial arts, then it's jujitsu, and then it's those people in the know that yeah. love talking about this stuff. There are some people that just like going to the gym and do jujitsu, go home. Yeah, they don't listen to podcasts. They're not looking at the history. But look, for us, it's definitely, you know, this we love to do it. We love to talk I about it. If it. we can't do it, we're talking about it. I love it. this if we're discussion. Talking, yeah, yeah. Mister Drysdale, I mean, he's got something that I even love talking more about. I mean, I love jujitsu, but my wrestling coach used to make us watch UFC fights. Shout out. And, and you did Mr. some Connor. MMA too, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, he was right? in the cage. Right. You, you, you did and, some and MMA? Guys, yeah, yeah, I did. I, which was my, my, always my goal really was, was to fight. My, my dream was a UFC belt. That was like my, to me, that was like the, 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 the to me, it would have been like the, the, the way to end my career, right? 
But um, you know what? Just to define it, when I say like, you know, what I'm talking about, it has nothing to do with tournaments. I think tournaments are an aspect of jujitsu. The vast majority of people don't compete, and that's perfectly fine. The vast majority of jujitsu practitioners don't care about podcasts and jujitsu history yeah. books, right? And that's perfectly fine because I think it, it, the value of jujitsu is not medals. Like I, I say this all the time. I actually happened to know where my ADCC trophy is. It happens to be right here, right next to me. Yeah. But I didn't even know where it was for six, seven years. Divorce. It wasn't until I got divorced. It was like I had to put a bunch of boxes in the garage. Like, oh, shit, here it is. After all, I hadn't even thought. Because that is a mom. I call it, it's like a little dose of a drug, right? You feel good momentarily. Two days later, you need another hit, right? It's it's sort of like an addiction. But it's not what jujitsu has, the best jujitsu has to offer. I don't, I wasn't implying that just for, I, I don't believe that. You know, I, I don't train competitively. I still love jujitsu. I love it for what it is. Um, I, I think that it's the, the part that bothers me really is, is the manipulation. Like it's, it's very dishonest. Like, and there's a lot of it going on, you know, and it's very selfish. It has nothing to do with what's best for jujitsu. It's about me, me, me. Right. Yeah. And uh, I think that's what, what gets under my skin a little bit. I think it should. Yeah. But you, uh, you mentioned a, a name earlier and I know that you had a little bit of a, a back and forth with him. You mentioned Gordon Ryan before when we yeah. talked about leg locks, the people that, aren't in the know, they know who Gordon Ryan is. People that yeah. don't know a lot about jiu-jitsu or yeah. just starting jiu-jitsu know the name Gordon Ryan. Well, he's hands down like yeah. the superstar, man. Yeah. He's best so, no-gi grappler in the world. Right? You had a bit of a back and forth with him on your ADCC win. You brought up ADCC. I- I'd yeah. like to just kind of give you a moment to talk a little bit about it. I know you've talked about it in other podcasts, but there was the back and forth uh, about sharing the prize money and that led to people making assumptions of uh, you know, uh, on, on your fight with, with Galvao, do you want, do you mind talking about that a little bit and kind of, you know, sure. I, I don't mind talking about, it. I just, I, I think the, the more I think about it, the less interesting Gordon is, the more he's like, he's, he's, he's if, if you, if you had the power to remove his talent from him, yeah. if you could do that, you can suck the talent out of, cause he's incredibly talented and skilled. No one disputes that. I've said it multiple times. That's not the debate, but if you had the power to move it, what's left? I asked that. Think about it. What's left? I don't even think about it. I just like his grappling. A lot of talk. <laughs> he's a troll, a right? Great, like a great yeah. mouthpiece. Yeah, it, it does. There's not much left. So like, he's not that. I mean, yeah. So he, he it's funny. He says, that, "Oh, I get like I'm obsessed with him." And he's the one that comes after me every time, and I have no idea. Oh, he keeps reminding me how irrelevant I am. I'm like, yeah, he keeps coming back to me all the time. I use him as an example because he's the most known guy right now. If it would have been someone else, I could have used Mike Mutsumessi, for example, or, you know, or Bushesha, for example. These are top players, and he's a very known top player. That's why I mentioned not because, yeah. you know, I, I, I personally, I'm, I'm, I'm over it. Like, I, I, I think that it's just, it's, it's very destructive, that sort of language and exchange. I don't like it. It's not who I am. I've been sucked into it a few times, and I regret it every single time but I'm human. I'm not perfect. It's hard to remain, you know, like a stone ice man, you know, when you're being attacked unfairly regarding ADCC, all I can repeat is what I said before. I did nothing wrong. And I can say that with a straight face. I can say that I can look anyone in the eye. If I had a time machine and I am the reincarnation of Jesus Christ, I'm going to do the absolutely do the right thing. I could have done nothing different. That's all I can say. I have zero guilt. And frankly, if people want to take credit for me or Whatever the case, I'm old enough. I don't know if it's I'm cynical enough or wise enough. Maybe a little <laughs> bit of both. Yeah. But the treasure that I have taken from my journey has nothing to do with the trophy. It has to do with I remember what I was like 
and I, I know who I am right now. And that's jujitsu. And that's what jujitsu has done for me. That's my treasure. And you can't take that from me. So if people want to give me credit or take credit, that's nice to be acknowledged. It's a little nice little kick, you know, it left lifts you temporarily, but it's not the treasure that I've taken from jujitsu. The real, the, what I take that has, you know, that I care for most dearly cannot be stripped from me, cannot be questioned because only I value it, no one else. And I'm okay with that. You have kids? Two kids. Two kids. Nice. Do they do jujitsu? Yes. I mean, when I have them, they, they do. Yeah. <laughs> Not very often. <laughs> yeah. How, how old? Eight and ten. Eight and ten. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Six and nine. Six and nine. Yeah. Like was I said, it, we're probably pretty close in age. <laughs> was it was it something that was just natural? Like I do jujitsu, they're going to do jujitsu. Was it up to it, them? Did you let it come? No. Did you let them come to it? I, I used to believe that before I had kids. No, give them freedom. Let them be free little butterflies nope. until you have kids. And he was a load of crap. Nope. Yeah. Tiger dad, be a tiger mom, and your kids will thank you at the end. Kids, freedom is something you have to earn. Children have done nothing to earn it. You haven't done anything. You're a baby. I feed you. I pay your bills. Like, why would you give you any freedom? You've done nothing to earn it. Man, right? dictator Drysdale over here. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm a very good man. Mom. I'm, I never spank my kids. I don't even raise my voice. Like they fall. It's just when it comes to jujitsu, I never give them a choice. In fact, they know you're not going to leave the house until you're a black belt. They're looking, how long is that going to take? I'm like, I don't know. That's cute. Yeah. But my whole thing is I want, I, I know what jujitsu can do for people. And like, why would I not make sure that they have that? Right. Even if they're going to continue it or not, it's not to the point, but I want them to have that tool for life. I, I don't know where I heard it. I know it was somebody famous that said you you would teach your children how to swim, right? You, you, we all want to, I think. In you know, Florida? In most yeah. places, especially in Florida. Let's use Florida. You're <laughs> in Florida. You're teaching gators. your kids. There's canals, there's pools, there's the beach. More kids You're going to teach your, Why wouldn't you teach them? How to, they're more likely to get into a fight than fall in a pool. Why wouldn't you teach them how to protect themselves? Absolutely. And, Absolutely. I'm on the and, same. And, and like to me, the self-defense is like a smaller aspect of it. I think that's the fitness and, and that's the self-defense and the confidence and all that. That to me, that's a smaller aspect. It's the, it's how it changes you for the better. It crafts you, like it beats you up enough. You get hardened by it. You know, like they say that once you wrestle in life, there's nothing that's harder than that. I can't remember the exact quote. I think wrestling is harder than jujitsu. I do because it's, it has a superior culture and that's a whole different podcast, but you know, jujitsu does toughen you and it ought to like that's, that's its greatest. It's not, it makes you stronger mentally and it gives you reason. It gives you purpose. It gives you community. It gives you friends. It gives you a second extended family. Why would you not want to give people that? Yeah. Yeah, man. I'm the same way. I have a fight with my daughter at least once a week. She's like, I can't wait. Cause I told her 16, you know, and, uh, but you have to go at least twice a week. 16 till she gets to make her own decision about whether she kind of and I'm kind of that's kind of a carrot on a stick really if I'm yeah. being honest it's far enough down that. yeah <laughs> that she'll forget about it but it's what do you it, do choke her out if she, no. you know why <laughs> you know I realized why my my, my my younger daughter especially was very resistant to train the young older one not so much but the younger one always was is because I realized she had easier options at her at her display she had an iPad she had TV. She had yeah. all these easy things. Why would you choose hardship? You know when she started training jiu-jitsu without complaining? When I took all the easy things away from her. Okay. You know how much fun jiu-jitsu is if you got nothing else to do? It's incredible. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I, I see the value of things that are hard and I want them to go through these hard things. So I, I took all the easy stuff away and I'm like, okay, let's see what happens now. All of a sudden, like, yeah, I can't wait to do jujitsu. I'm bored out of my mind. I'm like, there we go. I think, yeah. I think this would be a good time to announce that my wife has started doing jujitsu. Good for you, man. I finally broke in the house. How'd you do it? <laughs> I did it. She, she came to you. Okay. This is what happened. The gym did it. Shout out to, uh, you know, Henzo Gracie Weston. Dude, like the lady that runs the joint, she was just like, because my wife goes there with the kids because I'm still at work. And then I go later on in the night. She was like, oh, we're starting to do an all girls class. You know, maybe you should try. And she's like, well, I don't know if I want to commit. You know, I still got this other gym thing that I do. And, um, and she was like, you don't have to pay anything. You're already paying the family plan. So it's just, we'll even give you the gi. Mm, made it real easy for her to Made say it yes. real easy. So, you know, tonight's girls night. She's there yeah. right now. And uh, it's not a first class tonight. She's it's not a first class. What did she say about the first class? It's she, she, you know, they were doing, uh, they were doing scissor sweeps and, um, and she came back with mat burn, like on her <laughs> elbows and her knees and the tops of her feet. And, uh, she was like, I don't know why I'm so rubbed up. And I was like, hey, it just, you know, it's just how it happens, you mm-hmm. know? And she liked it. I mean, she didn't not like it, but she knows that it's tough. And then, and then all the, all the people she was training with were, Really nice. You know, I mean, most people like in the jiu-jitsu community, you know, like most people are really nice because getting beat up doesn't feel good, yeah. especially if you're doing it five days a week. It weeds and, out it weeds out the assholes. Like, yeah, I've, real I've quickly. Said. Yeah. <laughs> it definitely weeds out the bad people. It, well, it to irons out. Or yeah. it'll iron out if you are an asshole. You 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 know, sometimes you get cocky and then so and then you you drive home, and you're like, was it really necessary to beat up Jimmy? You know? <laughs> I'm gonna say I'm a little I'm a little jealous, Robert. I've been I've been working on my wife for seven years. Did it? I'm gonna say I actually last night she actually said I said I'm gonna go to the gym. I meant the gym in our community. I I wasn't going to jujitsu, and I said uh, come you know come to the gym, and she was like oh jujitsu, and I'm like you're not gonna go to jujitsu. She's like well I do it with you because now we have a we have a small. Uh, a section of our garage. We just moved, so we have some mats in the garage. Damn. So I'm a little bit closer. So you've been throwing I'm a her little back. bit closer. You've, you've been throwing her I, against the wall. I have a 17 year old daughter going away to school, and I told her, if she sees you doing it, she's at least gonna maybe be more likely to let me show her. It's my stepdaughter, so you know, it's not like I'm not her dad. I can't force her, you know. But it's kind of like that, you know? Yeah. You know how much- so I, I would really love to show her as somebody who's going away to school soon. I, I'd really love to show her some things that she could be doing just to protect herself a little bit. I mean, every, every father wants to, that's wants my goal, that man. I just want, I just want my kids to, to be, to be able to protect themselves. And I, I also want them to just essentially like, I, you know, what Rob said, like, like wreck, like it changes you. Like you, your problem solving skills become better. If you do something that's more difficult for fun, then real life becomes easier. I'm pretty mm. sure Joe Rogan says that every other <laughs> podcast. And, and, but it's true. It does change you. You know, hardship does change you. Like change is not mm. comfortable. Growth is not comfortable, mm. but being stuck somewhere because you didn't want to do those things is, is, is worse. And, and I want my kids to be mentally strong. I want them to be prepared. I want them to be able to help friends if they're in, in danger. And, and most importantly, they'll learn to recognize what, a, what bad looks like. Yeah. They know what an, an attack stance looks like. They know what their bubble is. They know when, when, when something is going bad, that bad feeling, you know, like that dark yeah. alley feeling. 
you know, mm-hmm. I want them to be prepared for life because, you know, it doesn't get easier. You get tougher, right? That's what I always, that's what I tell my kids all the time. Robert, we have a little bit of speed round uh, questions that we do uh, towards the end of the episode. Uh, so I'm just going to throw these out to you. You can elaborate as much as you like, but, you, you know, a couple word answers are fine as well. So your your preference, gi or no gi? What do you like to train the most? I go, I, I've been going back and forth between the two since all the white belt. There are, there are like months, like I much prefer no gi. And then I, for a while ago, it was a lot of gi. I really got into the gi. I mean, the last, like, since I've retired. The last six months have been really getting into no-gi. I'm very, very open to learning heel hooks. So I've been like, I actually been playing around with heel hooks in the gi. I have, I think it's there. They should be actually trying to organize a tournament where heel hooks are legal in the gi because I think they're safer, not more dangerous. Really? Because it's easier to defend. It's and easier to defend heel hook in the gi. The, the argument for, for not doing them in the gi is that the gi creates more friction and like you can't get out. Is, am I correct? Is it about the friction that it creates and you not being able to maybe twist like you could with a you know sweaty arm on leg on an arm? You could grab their sleeve though. Yeah, that's exactly why it's easy to defend. You grab yeah. the sleeve and it's like foot locking from 50-50. It's not so easy. I get way more foot locks 50-50 no gi than I do in the gi. So that right there says a lot. It, um, I think people have this idea that they're going to spin out of your hooks, right? And mm-hmm. we used to believe that. But we know now that Spinning out is actually dangerous if you're going against a guy that knows what he's doing. You got to tuck the heel in, the opposite of spinning out, right? So in the gi, you can do that as well, which is the correct defense. Uh, plus, you can hand fight by grabbing the sleeve in a way that you can't no gi. So I, I've not been playing around a lot. Like I've been allowing, you know, every now and then I'll train heel hooks in the gi with my students, and um, it's easier to defend. It's not harder when you think about it. Like why is it illegal in the gi? It's just easier, not harder. So are you are you a fan? You did talk about going to tournaments. Are you a fan of jujitsu? Like, are you, when you finish this podcast, are you going to be on Flow Grappling? Do you get online and watch videos? Are you somebody who consumes that content that's out there? Bro, he wrote a book on jujitsu. <laughs> no, I know, but I know, but, uh, no, but I'm saying, like, I, uh, let's, let me, let me correct with, like, the competition side. Like, I've fallen in love with, with Flow Grappling and just let it run all day while I'm working at home. It's on in the background and it's just like, what is it called? Uh, yeah. Flow Grappling, like 24 7. Yeah. Right. Is that is that your personality or do you, you know, are you doing other things? Zero. It'll be like, it'll be like asking an accountant if he wants to look at numbers on the weekend. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it'll be like asking an attorney when he's going out with his family, asking him for like legal advice. They fucking yeah. hate it. And I and don't get me wrong. Like I, I watch competition. I was at Master World. I see what's happening. I've been doing this long enough. I can like look at something. I know what's happening. Uh, but I don't, I don't get the hype. Doesn't excite me. It never has. Even the UFC, I always like. I would like. Always, I used to like have like. What do you call it? Uh, when you can like record it and then like watch it later. Tivo, Tivo, uh, yeah. I would just like fast forward everything until like only the part I prefer high because I, I, I see. I want to fight. The, the technical aspect fights fascinates me. I don't like hype. I don't like. It's to me. I'm very merit based kind of person. I don't even like marketing because it people can't always separate merit from marketing. It's, it's something that gets people think people believe that if something is very popular, it's, it, it's because it's been, it's been earned, right? If someone is popular, it's because it's earned its place there. And we're watching the world. Like it's been flipped upside down. What I believe is not even a thing anymore. It's like the more you can be YouTube or Instagram popular and all of a sudden you're one of the best in the world. Never mind going to the gym, skip that part. Right. So it is, I, I don't, I don't like it. I'm not attracted to it in, in any way. I just like the techniques. I was wrong. Okay. I could you be see? wrong. <laughs> a blue belch. Uh, 
bar. Ne- next question. <laughs> takedown or pull guard? Preference. Now, takedown. When I was competing, I was a guard puller my whole life. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm against it. I think you should be penalized for guard pulling. I've made this really? argument many times. I think that it is weakened jujitsu. Jujitsu is not as efficient as it could be because we allow guard pulling. Andrew Wiltsey has been saying that too. The from from Pedago submission fighting. You know, Daisy Fresh guy. He's yeah. like their premier black belt. Yeah, yeah. He's the same thing. He's like, I, I don't, I don't pull guard anymore. He's like, I only do top pressure. I only do takedowns now because. He said, A, it's not realistic, and then B, the same thing he was saying. It's like this whole people who do the the pull guard to who does it first because if you get up first, yeah. you get two points for a sweep, and then it just it slows the game down. It's not as, yeah, yeah. not realistic. It's one reason why I've always been critical of submission only is because they have managed to make jiu-jitsu less fight-oriented. It's that's incredible to me. It's like I thought, wow, I thought IBJJF was doing a crappy job. They're like, they did way worse because they've moved away from the reality of combat. Like you just watch, it doesn't even look like a fight anymore. Like no one's fighting for position. They let people pass guard. They do this. And I'm like, my thinking, I'm like, dude, if there were a fight, I'd be dropping elbows on you. Yeah, that's my move. Yeah. That's my move. You know, like we do slap jujitsu. Home, home alone, right? I think yeah. they have a name. <laughs> and then I'm looking at my dad, I'm going, that's better. That's real jujitsu. Like, you know, I think we have to make jujitsu as close as possible to the reality of combat because that's what made it popular, right? Let's remember yeah. why I started jujitsu, not because it was pretty. We started jiu-jitsu because it worked, yeah. right? That's what got the whole thing going was exactly that jiu-jitsu would work in a real situation. And we've moved away from that. So that's why I'm like, you know, like I said, going back to the, 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 the lapel and 50-50 thing, it's like I'm, I'm two minds about it. I appreciate the evolution, but at the same time, it's become very unrealistic. Do you like combat jiu-jitsu? Not really. Because there's no wrestling. I like wrestling. To me, that's why I love wrestlers. I've never wrestled a day of my life. It's fun. I love wrestling as a sport. Because it's so real. It's so, it's so like, it's like a sin to say that to me, but manly. I, I wish I could wear shoes stuff. and do jujitsu. <laughs> well, you have I a wrestling like, background, yeah. so you're biased. But wrestling is, it's, it's everything that, I, it, it's because it's, it's government funded. So they've managed to remain pure. Like you can't get mad at your coach because, you know, he didn't pat you on the back after tournament. Coach, <laughs> you know, jujitsu, you gotta, if you're not reposting their stuff and liking their comments on Instagram, you get, they get set. It's like, man, like jiu-jitsu is subjected to that financial pressure in a way that wrestling is not. That's why they're stronger people. I mean, yeah. it's a stronger culture is what I'm trying to you say. Know what, you know what our coach used to make us do? So you have to clean the mats. Our wrestling room was in the cafeteria. So the mats were in these wooden boxes in the cafeteria. We'd have to put away. the Our warm-up was clearing the whole cafeteria, rolling the mats out, mopping the mats. And you know how you, you, know how you dried the mats? You would have to run around them until they were dry. So the vortex of 20, 30 kids. <laughs> that was I, love that. I love that coach. And you're yeah. thankful. You probably hated it at the I, time. But you look at him, you go, that was a real coach right there. I was thinking about Emilio Condis on, well, I was stuck in traffic today, man. Like, I think I'm going to get a hold of him. That what guy, I want him. he won himself a beer. I used to work at Hooters when I was in high school and in the back of the house. They wouldn't let me serve. And, 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 uh, he came in and I would, and I would tell, I would, I told the cook, I was like, Hey man, that's my wrestling coach. He could do a push up and clap behind his back and catch himself. This was back in the day. He was like, I'll buy him a pitcher of beer and his food. If he could do that, bro, on the spot, on the deck, just did it. This guy, this guy was a really good wrestler too, man. So Robert, next question is what is your ultimate goal in the world of jujitsu? 
What kind of legacy do you want to leave behind? Dude, I've never thought about that, to be honest. Um, I like the people who know me, who have spent time with me, to if not like me, at least respect me, and maybe think that I had an overall positive. I think we all have positive and negative effects in the world, right? Mm-hmm. I would like to be more positive than negative. And if I walk away from jujitsu and from life one day and I go, I did more good than bad, you know, I think that's, to me, that's the ultimate. Nice. So with that being said, do you have any regrets as it relates to your jujitsu journey? Oh, I have no regrets in life. No. Zero. Every single thing in my life was exactly as it should have been. Okay. No regrets, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, it's, uh, it's, if you, because it might, if you regret something in life, it's because you're not happy with where you are. Right. Cause your mistakes lead you exactly where you are. I made yeah. plenty of mistakes, but they put me in a place that made me feel good about it afterwards. So I'm like, you know, I, I, I live in the moment and if it's bad, you know, you make it good somehow. Right? Okay. So my last question is probably the most important question we're going to ask you here today. Do you or do you not wash your jujitsu belt? I just started. <laughs> I'm my COVID? man right there. Because of COVID? Let's go. No, because oh. I, I, I get, I become more, more a cleaner as I get older. When I was a kid, I didn't like to brush my teeth. I didn't like to shower. I didn't like believe in deodorant. Like I didn't wash my, when I first started jujitsu, I, I go like a week without washing. Ah. Put, it the, put it in the backpack. I'd pull it out. It'd be wet. And I'd put it back on. Never crossed my mind. It smells good. In Brazil? In the, back. In the no, Brazilian guess, heat? In my head, it was like, in my head is, it's going to make my opponent like, like, weaker. It's gonna attack. Like it's yeah. gonna be. It's gonna make him want to quit. So <laughs> I use it almost like part it's of like my strategy. Like the Komodo dragon, you know? miserable in any way I yeah. can. Thank you. Now, as I get older, I like I become not a germaphobe, but like I train. I have to shower within the next five to ten minutes. I cannot be sweaty. I want to get in the shower right away. I brush my teeth ten times a day. Go figure, you know, and like. Washing them after a while, like that belt is disgusting. I've never washed this thing, so now I do. I like this Good. guy, belt washer. <laughs> I funny, I actually, when I when I get home, I'll usually like kiss my wife hello, she'll go to grab me, maybe give me. I'm like, no, 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 no. there are 10 men, different men, sweat on me. I don't want you touching me. I don't want you a little <laughs> lip kiss and let me take a shower, and then you can hug on me all you want for sure. Get ringworm in the U.S. We didn't get ringworm in Brazil, ringworm doesn't really? exist in no. Really? It, I've never even Brazil's never heard of ringworm. It doesn't or staff for that matter. It doesn't really? even exist. Yeah. But okay. it's uh um over here it's like you get man, ringworm is gross. That's like, because you take care of that shit. That's know? because eighty percent of the population has never taken a antibiotic. No, I think it's uh <laughs> like and I, you know, I think it's they, a they, climate. They, they have it, they, I think they have like in Brazil, you're saying? I think they have stronger immune systems. Oh, is what hell I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I agree with that. That's yeah. anyway, for sure. But I think it might have to do with the climate. Like, you know, bacteria is different everywhere. Viruses, like, they're not the same. They have different strains in different places. Like, ringworm, I've never seen ringworm in Brazil. And believe me, man, there was one gym I trained at. This is a true story. There'd be a pile of geese in the corner. People would be done training and then just throw the gi in the pile. Nice. And then the next day, they'd find their gi. No! Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's, that's kind of how we, no ringworm, zero ringworm. No one ever, I never saw it there. You could not do that here. Bro, that's the Pohada pile, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Robert, I want to thank you very, very much for doing this. I'm going to tell you now, I would love to keep on going. I'm under the weather. We were, we were late 
end, I was under the weather. So much so I had Bo meet me downstairs. I said, bro, I am so sick. You got to meet me downstairs. Make sure I get upstairs. So I yeah. really feel like crap. Yeah. I appreciate you so much for doing this. Again, so sorry about being late. But we would love to talk to you again. I'll make the same, uh, 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 extend the same invite that I do to most. If you're ever down in Miami, we've got a, an awesome studio. You're only seeing me. You'll see the whole studio on the, uh, uh, when we put this out. We'd love for you to come by and, and sit down with us in studio and, and do something face-to-face one day if you're ever down in Miami. Just let us know. I recently quit my job, so I'm. Uh, we do this full more full-time. Uh, awesome. I So we're more available. So we, we used to just do them on Saturdays. Now we're more available. So the invitation is there. We'd love to, to kind of meet you face to face one day. And, uh, you know, again, we appreciate you. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much. And, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll see you guys have come to Vegas more than welcome to stop by the gyms. Awesome, man. Nice. Appreciate that, man. Thank you so much. That was awesome, right? That was great. What a great guy. Yeah. Super nice. Knows what he likes. He definitely, you know, I said it at, uh, at the beginning of the interview. If you just listen to the little trolls online, you'd think that like he's a bad guy. Like, ah, that's the guy, bad mouth in the grave. It's nothing like that. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, I hear the more that I'm, the more that I researched and got ready for, for the, the podcast, the more I found that it's the exact opposite. He's kind of raining more accolades down on the Gracie yeah. family as a whole, Jiu-jitsu. but less on individual, like, okay, there's not so much credit to one person. No, you know, it was a community of people, a family of people. What's well, so, a, it's a, that's what it takes. Yeah, yeah. You know, you need, you need that. You need all the different gyms yeah. with, you know. All right. Let's do a little housekeeping, everybody. Thank you for sticking around. Shout out to our Patreon podcast sponsors, including Carlson Gracie Winterhaven and Winterhaven, Florida, cgwinterhaven.com at Carlson Gracie at underscore Winterhaven on Instagram. Carlson Gracie Broward County in North Lauderdale, Carlson Gracie Broward County.com at Carlson Gracie Broward County, John Way Martial Arts in Plantation, Florida as well, John Way Martial Arts.com, John Way Martial Arts, or at John Way Martial Arts on Instagram. Uh, our individual podcast patrons include Jebediah Barra, Robert Walker, Frank House, Boa Athletics. It's at Boa underscore athletics on IG, Jason Smiley, CJ Carroll, Mission 22. Chuck Reddor and Roberto Santiago. If you want to get a shout out just like that, you can visit us on patreon.com forward slash jujitsu dummies. You're also automatically entered to win $100 worth of jujitsu swag every single month. All right. You can check us out at jujitsu dummies for all the ways to watch, listen, and support the show. IG? Oh, yeah. MLJ Rico. Rico. I'm still laughing at that. uh, that's that my nickname. Eat it from the back at Yahoo. Oh, yeah. I, when I want to laugh, when I'm feeling sad during the day, yeah. I just go to that video clip. <laughs> Don't get your buddy a job. You better vet him first. Hey, thank you to the We Defy Foundation for all the support and all they're doing for the veteran and jiu-jitsu communities. Big up. They provide therapeutic relief to disabled combat veterans through jiu-jitsu. Check them out at We Defy Foundation on Instagram, and you could donate anytime at WeDefyFoundation.org. And last but not least, at Fightback CBD, get 20% off your CBD order at fightbackcbd.com with code JJD. Again, Uncle Milty BJJ on IG. Bo? At Bad Works, B-A-D-W-E-R-K-S. Check him out. He does some awesome work. Yeah. Thank you for watching and listening, everybody. Take Stay care, safe. Everybody. Peace, love, jujitsu. Hey. Let's go. Okay, guys.